This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into InsideCarolina.com on the beat live. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. That's Gregory Hall. We'll be joined by Greg Barnes and some special guests soon. Sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyT-Shirt.com. On the Beat Live comes the YouTube version. We're going to do something a little different. We did it last year, Gregory, if I remember correctly. Was um, that a full year ago? I think it's been a full year ago that we did that. And uh, it was a, a thing. And, and we were able to bring some subscribers in here and talk to them and let them chat with us and all that. So we'll do that again tonight. Greg Barnes joining a little bit later. I must first address... Uh, somebody in the chat, Tommy Ashley was not late. Greg Barnes is the late one. Greg Barnes is the big wig. So he's the one that uh, that is always here on time. I'm the one that's always here on time. Um, Gregory's always first, though. Anyway, boys, what's happening? Gregory, what's going on, man? What's life been doing for you the last couple of weeks? Uh, just working on some, uh, some off-season features. Um, hanging out with some, talking to some people, just Travis Shaw one just came out, the Trozen one, humble amid the hype, that one just came out, um, baseball a little bit, uh, was out in Cali for two weeks, I'm back. Um, and, and to our listeners, we have photographic proof that she exists. She, she's home too, she came home, so she might, she might be stopping by during the show, so she, I'll make her say hi. She, she, definitely, um, uh, she definitely exists, even though you got to admit, Gregory. That that line by Greg was like one of the best ever on this. Podcast. I mean, Greg Greg doesn't zing very often, but when he zings, it's uh, you remember this. You remember for sure. Uh, he 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 gets he gets us every now and then. Um, we this so yeah, like Tommy said, this is the subscriber show. So we've got instructions on how to join. The Zoom link is on the premium board. If you're watching this, uh, there's about sixty of y'all. Um, so if you're an IC premium subscriber, go to the boards, either the football board, the basketball board, it's on both. Um, I'm going to turn on my mic a little bit. It's on both. Uh, just click the zoom link and boom, we got three waiting that we're get to soon. Um, I want to talk to more of y'all though. So if you're a premium subscriber, just join and we don't bite. Tommy doesn't bite. Uh, I promise Greg won't make fun of your non-existent girlfriend or your girlfriend or your wife. So, um, Wesley said, I like, I like this Wesley guy. He's good. He's, he's proud of the girlfriend's decision-making. So, you know, yeah, that's I, nice. you know. it's buttering you up. He's probably in the chat. Look, if you're on the YouTube chat and you guys have been fantastic, uh, these YouTube lives have blown up over the years or over the last few months, especially since we started doing them, I guess, during COVID. I mean, if you're on this and you're not a member of inside Carolina.com's premium message boards, you need to get that done. I mean, 
It costs a little bit of money. It's well worth it. Ask anybody that's on there. It's well worth the information to get. Don Callahan and Ross Martin dropped the Scoop podcast earlier this week. Um, listen to that on my walk today. Uh, you know, the stuff that's on the boards is so much more in depth than that. That's a, that's a fun, light version of Don's Scoop. What's on the message boards is, of course, off, you know, off the hook. And then Coast to Coast podcast, Rail McMillan, Sean Moran, and Joey Powell, they knock it out of the park discussing the latest and greatest Carolina basketball recruiting information. But to get Sherelle's um, deep dives into the premium stuff, you got to be on the premium basketball board, and it's certainly worth it. And look, imagine being on the premium basketball boards as we wait some portal decisions um, to get all that scoop. So check it out. Football recruiting, official visits, uh, basketball recruiting, portal news. There's just a lot going on. Um, Scott uh, Holland asked me a question. I cannot divulge that answer. Um, two young bucks a couple uh, several months ago refused um, to allow me to disclose that. So we will leave that. You can imagine it's probably something good. Speaking He's of ECU, ECU this is, is a water. But speaking of ECU, Kamaro Edmonds transferred to ECU today. Did you see that? Yep, I did. And that's that's pretty good, you know, as expected. Haiti didn't get a shot at North Carolina. But, look, if you go to East Carolina, at least you still get the opportunity to play NC State, beat NC State. Um, so he's got a mission to accomplish. I believe that's their first game of the year, isn't it? That's the same game, the same week or same day that Carolina plays at App. Um, so that's some big time in state. That's some in state, yeah. As I say, that's some that's some fun in state football right there. Yeah, a lot going on though. If you're a, a Kenan Stadium season ticket member, um, you know they started the the selection of seats, the reseating that's going on. There's been some hiccups, but it's always a a cool time to try to pick some new seats if you want to, or try to get your old seats. Of course, we had a blast up in 206 last year, um, we'll ha- and in 105. Shout out to Dodd and Coulter and those guys. Um, I hope they're doing well. Are they zooming the, in tonight? The, I'm sure they're watching. I don't know though. This, uh, it was a this, long uh, week in the DR. Yeah. The last uh, few days, um, week or so in the DR was quite a long time. I can attest to that from um, <laughs> actually seeing it. So, um, hope those guys take a chance to join us. You know, it's just a fun time uh, to be involved with inside Carolina, even though it's the off season. Technically there is no off season baseball team. Look, Think about this, folks. If if the football team hadn't melted down in epic fashion in the last two minutes of the NC State game, Carolina would own NC State in every sport relevant this year. And the baseball team goes to Raleigh and gets a 2-1 sweep or gets a 2-1 series win over the boys in Raleigh. Um, football team just couldn't quite get it done. Uh, basketball team did what they do. So a fun time to be on Inside Carolina. You need to be an Inside Carolina Premium subscriber. Gregory, are we going to let the first person in? Yep, let's do it. Let's see who's in. And look, when you jump in, let me tell people, and if the po- folks in the waiting room are listening, have something to talk about. You know, Gregory's famous. I'm just a regular dude. People that have seen me out and about, especially in Charlotte, just, you know, just bring it. But be ready to go um, so we can get as many people in here as possible. It should be fun. Greg will join us shortly. Um, but we'll get rolling. Go ahead, Gregory. Nate, you there, man? And make sure you got your stuff on go so we can have this. Discussion. He was the first one in here, so I brought him in. Nate, you there? He might he might be waiting. It's not popped up on mine. 
to the boys in chat, anything or boys, ladies, men, ladies, women, fantastic people. Give me something to talk about. Ask us some questions. Um, somebody asking about the Canes. I tell you what, if you haven't been to a hurricane uh, playoff game, you need to figure out a way to go. That place is off the hook. I always say, imagine if PNC was like that during basketball games, how uh, great a place it would be for that team that plays over there. But the Hurricanes, uh, it is as lit as it gets in that stadium. Um, it was last night. It'll be again on Friday night, tomorrow night. Somebody said, how about Ross stirring up folks on Twitter? Give me a second. I'll find it or drop a link. <laughs> it wouldn't be um, Ross if he was stirring up That's always, always a fun. That's an always fun follow. A um, couple things to look forward to in the offseason. Taylor Vipolis, um, Shaq Rashad did another uh, Inside Carolina Players Lounge with Antoine Green. If you haven't watched it, go check it out. That's a guy who's worked his butt off. Uh, to be uh, a solid football player. And now he's number two. He's number two on uh, Carolina's wide receiver roster. And he gets to, uh, you know, he, he gets a chance to shine. And we will see um, if he can make that happen this year. But it's a great interview with them. Always a good way. One of my favorites so far, Travis Shaw. If you haven't watched the Travis Shaw, did you watch that one, Gregory? Yeah, Travis, I did the story about on it. Travis Shaw is going to be something at North Carolina and uh you know humble Gregory I think your title was staying humble I don't know about that but a little bit but if he plays he's balancing um, he's balancing it you know yeah absolutely if he plays the way um he can play and the way folks are expecting him to play he should be something at North Carolina and I tell you what the man is a monster of a human being and he could make a serious difference coming this fall where are we at? If Nate can't get in, we got to drop I, somebody up, Sam. I, I already did that. Where you been? We're waiting. We're, you've been talking. Reed's sitting here waiting for us. I don't see somebody's picture. Are we not bringing people in? I can see. Reed, are you there? Bro. People join our waiting room and they're not ready? Reed? It's going really bad. Really bad right to start, right. Gregor. Third time's the time. Third time's the charm. I was waiting for somebody's face to drop up. Sean Crawley, you're right. Adamola Okalaja. So I started doing Inside Carolina stuff. When I see somebody pop up on the screen, Gregory, we'll go to them. I'm trying over here. But I'm feeling time. Uh, Sean, when I started working for Inside Carolina in 1998, um, Okalaja came in with Vince and Antoine Jameson, and he was there you know, during that time period. Always a cool interview. Straight shooter, gave you what you wanted as a journalist trying to cover, and, uh, you know, just a cool dude. And he was the guy that nobody really talked about unless you were a big-time Carolina fan because Carter and Jameson got all, the, got all the press. But he did the dirty work. He's that guy you have to have to be a good basketball team. And um, it was disappointing um, to read uh, that he had – you know, had cancer and all, and then it comes back and it just takes him from us. Way too young. It always bothers me to see people younger than me. There we so, go. There he is. And uh, anyway, rest in peace, Adamola. He was a, a great Tar Heel, a great friend of those guys, and a great um, guy to cover for Inside Carolina. He's trying to connect his audio, it looks like. But we got a face. 
This has been hilarious. This is a uh, you know, it's live radio. I mean, remember right? when I tried? Remember when I tried to teach you how to go live? Like you know, it's like yeah, we always uh, we always we can't ever get it right, but it's all good. We'll have fun. Sean Crawley, if you're not an Inside Carolina Premium subscriber, why not go join and get in this so you can see the thing? All right, I have to unmute. Let's see, you got audio connected. DRW, you there? Yeah, I'm here. There you are. How's it going, sir? Doing fine. What's going on? I love you guys. I appreciate it. What you want to talk about tonight? I don't have anything big. I just want to listen to (laughs) y'all. What, uh, what's the last here? I got a question for you then. Um, and then we can talk about this. What has the last UNC sports season been like for you as a fan? Crazy up and downs. What's the roller coaster been like? Yeah, it's been up and down. I was disappointed in it. Basketball came out good at the end. I've been at it a long time, fellas. Uh, you know, I'm I'm an old timer. I graduated Carolina in 1959. Wow. So I was, I was there in '57. Saw it all. Well, let me ask you this: Watching since then. Um, and you're a little bit younger than my father was. He graduated in 50 and 53. Um, so he would tell me the stories. But watching then and through the years, where do you rank those two Duke basketball wins um, oh, from your gracious. standpoint? Well, now, you know, I saw some great, great games. I, how about that night? I was sitting there on the fourth row when we came back with, what, 18 seconds mm. down by eight. And, you know, that was – Guys, unbelievable. I had my three kids there. But it was great. It was great. I, You know, I didn't think we'd win over in Cameron, and I really didn't. I wanted to, but I just shocked all those guys, all those Duke guys there and beating him. It was wonderful. I'd probably rank that in the top five for sure. But I've been at a long time. I've been in the Rams club for 62 years. Nice. So are you uh... – Straight basketball? Do you got football season? No, no, I got season football ticket. All right. So yeah. I assume you're picking pretty soon. Where are you going to try to sit so we'll know where the legends sit in Keenan Stadium? <laughs> I've, I've always sat now. I'm 223. It's just kind of on about the 25 yard line right under the overhang. Been there a long time. Yeah, that's Been what people, uh, that's one thing people forget is. Those seats at a little bit of an angle, I've always thought were great. They great seats. I love them. My wife went down and picked out my seats in Carmichael, and she didn't want to go. I was working, and she said, "Oh no, you won't like them." But she picked the corner in the mezzanine, right back against the wall. And my gosh, I've loved them. You know, it was just they've been so good. I, you know, I'm thinking a little bit about giving them up. You know, kind of age is getting to me a little. But I'm doing fine. I'm doing well, fine. I... How many games do you get to in a year? Basketball. Are you at all? Probably 90% of them. Nice. But it but it's tougher. You know, it's tougher. Some old some of the guys that went with me all the years, they've kind of either they're getting obviously they're getting older. And some of them are gone. So it, my son, my son goes, but he has tickets himself. We're both pediatricians. I, we've been in Thomasville for I've been here 54 years in practice and he's been 29 so that's pretty cool so if we're if we're meeting in Thomasville where are we going to eat 
Mm, probably '66. Uh, it was started over in Kernersville, and uh, it's relatively new. Been open about a year and a half. It's really good. It's it's named for the the road '66 that goes through Kernersville. Nice. Well, we've got Greg Barnes has finally joined us in here, um, and Greg's covered a lot of a lot of a lot of Carolina football games as well. Give us your take on uh, on Mac Brown. What do you think here on uh, Mac 2.0? Last year obviously was a struggle, but as somebody that's been around a long time, certainly remembers all of Mac 1.0 and far beyond. How do you think Mac's doing? What do you think he needs to do this year? I, I was glad to get Mac back. I, one of one of my best friends, he, he loved Mac. And uh, we went down and saw a couple of Texas games, and he signed the hat. I was really disappointed when he left, but I was glad to get him back. I think he's uh, upgraded the recruits. But just like y'all said, uh, the deal's up now. He got to win. Got to yep. win. What's your I, I'm not going to be like you last year. I'm not going to pick him to win every single game. <laughs> Hey, well, you know, if, if you set your <laughs> but, expectations but I loved high, it at the time, I didn't disagree with you at all. I thought we had a chance to do it, but, but. you've been you've been covering you've been not covering you've been going to games and watching games for a long, long time. Yeah. Um, what, what do you think about the the whole idea of the curse of the tick? Is there anything to that? I don't think so. I mean, you know, I I don't believe in that. I think it's. Uh, you know, I, I just think, you know, there's a lot. We, we just don't have the history yet, uh, but we've got these good guys. I mean, you know, we need, we need to win the games. We need to win them. Can someone inform me of what Greg's talking about? First of the tech, uh, Bill Hickey, right? Died. Yeah. He, uh, he was supposed yeah. to be the next great Carolina legend or right. the Carolina legend, and he – I believe Lyme disease. Is that what it was? Rocky Mountain spotted fever, one or the other. And, uh, and died. Yep. actually my wife was a freshman nursing student and, uh, she, she was there. She was there in the room several times and, uh, he, he's a big old powerful guy. He was really sick. You know, they didn't know he had it. You know, he traveled up to Canada, you know, his wife got it too. And it was, uh, Jim Tatum. Tatum. Jim Tatum. And uh, you got to treat that with the right stuff. Let you me know? ask you a question. What's the, uh, since we're talking about your history, what's the biggest football game you've seen in Keenan Stadium? For these young bucks that uh, maybe don't know the history, um, what's the biggest couple games you ever saw in Keenan Stadium? Well, the night we played Florida State, you know, that night game. That was good. Now, you, you know, you test them. You know, I'm getting kind of old. You know, it's hard for me to break. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I remember Oklahoma coming there. And, yeah. and, you know, we could walk down on the sidelines in. And I, I remember looking at those guys. And I said, oh, my God. I've never seen such mountain guys as it was. You know, that was, a, <laughs> that, was a, that was a big deal, getting Oklahoma coming to Keenan Stadium. I have no idea what year that was. 88. They played okay. – uh, so, and this is, it was right in my wheelhouse because I was a teenager. Back then, they had Auburn in a, in a four-year span. They had Auburn, LSU, Oklahoma, and Florida State because they weren't in the conference. Right. And they played them out of conference. And uh, got to see Auburn 
in Keenan and got to see Oklahoma. That Oklahoma was the other one. And uh, Oklahoma had that old triple option with Jamel Holloway and those guys. And yeah, you're yeah. right. You could walk right down and stand on the fence. And we used to do that all the time. Yep. Talk trash oh, yeah. That, that's the way I got up to my seats. You know, we'd come in the end and walk. And then I couldn't do that now, fellas. <laughs> Well, I appreciate you being a loyal inside Carolina guy and a loyal. Oh, yeah, subscriber. I love it. How long you been on IC? Not as long as I should been, probably three, four years. But uh, I should have done it earlier. But I was just missed out on it somehow. But I love it now. I look at oh. it every single day. We're so glad to we, have you. What were you doing walking around in the dark before you joined IC about Carolina? I, <laughs> I have a darn fine nose. Working. <laughs> Still working. I, I was the longest working pediatrician. I just retired in January at 84. Can you believe that? Good gracious. Well. But I loved it. I started a, my own practice, wound up with 24. 24. Can you believe 24 doctors in one practice still on ourselves? Crazy. That's, that's pretty impressive. Um, and to keep it yeah. going. Well, we appreciate you coming in and, and, and talking to us for a little while and um gracing us with your presence it's been it's always a favorite thing of mine to do is to talk to the to the wise men and <laughs> and, and hear from the yeah. you notice how i didn't say old because we're yeah, not old and uh yeah and i'm hear. doing okay you know i'm still kicking well it's pretty sounds awesome. like it well hey you, i i, I kind of laugh at you because you you know you refer to yourself as being old i always get a good chuckle about that you know <laughs> How old are you? Fifty-five, probably. You know. No, so. not even that. I turned fifty-one last Thursday. Okay, so. and then you keep talking about, of course, against Gregory. There, you, you know, Lord help, fell. Well, my um, kids think I'm old, so. Um, how about my grandkids? <laughs> you, well, sometimes uh, we feel older than we are, and you're definitely younger than you are. We appreciate it, man. Thank you. Okay. For coming in. Yeah, we're going to get well. some others in here, but we really appreciate you, sir. Okay, good. I enjoy y'all. Yep, thank you. Take good care. Talking to you. While Gregory gets somebody in. Greg, what is the uh, – That was uh, cool, by the way. Yeah, I mean, look, there's one thing. And I don't, I'm not a sentimental person terribly anymore um, because it's like, you know, it's past is past. But when you get a chance to talk to people that are have been around for a while, especially – um, somebody like that that's been around and done everything and and it's cool because because when they're gone they're gone right so you don't get to hear the stories and all and i you know he's got some great ones and it's just cool i mean been well, a doctor for that long right it's, it's the ability to to experience things and, and see it firsthand and to be able to share those stories with you know, generations to come uh, and that that's really what the close that aspect of of Carolina athletics is right. We talk about it all the time with regard to the Carolina basketball family. Um, when you've got you guys from however long ago, still coming to games. I mean, Lenny Rosenbluth goes to all kinds of basketball games and what he's seen and what he's experienced over the years uh, filters down to the players on the team now. And so you have that unique base but it's more than Carolina basketball. It's more than that family. We make a big deal about it. It's about the fan base as a whole. You know, if, if, if the Carolina fan base as a whole wasn't like this, where you shared stories over the years and you had, you know, 
somebody from the fifties had children and they grew up as diehard Carolina fans. And then they had children. I mean, how long has your family had season tickets, Tommy? Since 60. Okay. So I mean, 60, 60 plus years. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And so Carolina basketball and Carolina football would not mean near as much to anybody. It would not be near as relevant without the fan base and without that depth and that background and all those things. And so um, while we do focus on basketball family and the football side of things, the fan base is what makes it go. And um, you know, Buck Sanders and, and Ben Sherman realized that a long time ago. So give them credit with the IC message boards because we do a lot of stories. We do a lot of video. We do podcasts. Um, but it is the message board community and everybody coming together and sharing stories and appreciating where everybody has come from and all that background is what makes I see what it is. Yep, exactly. And to be able to, and, and we need to get back to it somehow is when we had the bashes. Remember that we would have the bash and signing day things or whatever. And you see these guys, you see them on the message boards or in the chats or whatever, and then have an opportunity to talk to them and chat them up. And my favorite are always the old guys because of that, what you talk about, Greg, is people have seen the history, the historical stuff and the history with their own eyes. And that's what I tried to impress the people um, that were in New Orleans and saw that Duke game is like, and like to my youngest son, this is a game that people will talk about forever. He mentioned, Doc mentioned the uh, 74 or, or, or the whenever Walter Davis's shot was. And, and he saw it. My dad and brothers were in there too, and they were going to leave. And, and they decided to stop and turn around and watch it. I mean, it's just cool to do that and to be able to experience that. And I think today, and maybe I'm being the old guy, is people take it for granted. You know, they're staring at their phone or, um, you know, trying to get a video, just relish the moment. Anyway, who you got next, Gregory? Well, this is Reed. Reed, are you there? It sounds like Reed is getting his last chance. Um, and while well, if Reed's there and can hear us, we'll love to hear you, sir, um, or ma'am. Second, UNC baseball just walked it off against Florida State. Yep, I got that text. So, that's so is a huge the baseball way. team in the tournament? Yeah, they're in the ACC tournament. Are they in the NCAA tournament, Barnes? Not probably, probably right, Gregory. I mean, it would since they won tonight. I said they have to lead, win at least one against this weekend to like secure their spot. Um, because now they can't, if they had gotten swept and then they lose both games starting in the round robin of the tournament, then it's like they're literally on the fence. Um, it's a very similar conversation to what we had with the basketball team. If you think about it, like they had to do this, they had to win one. Um, Was the state series the game in Cameron for the baseball team? As no, because it was a home – oh, it was a road series. Yes, I, comparable. I think so. They needed some kind of success, and to, to win that series was, was very important. State's not great, but state's solid. State's firmly in the tournament. So, I think um, unless they just tank the next they, – they're guaranteed four games left. I, I think for sure they're in the ACC tournament. And as long as they don't tank all four of those, they'll be a three seed in, in somebody's region. You would think that they just beat Florida State's number one. So they ought to have – I don't know who 
Uh, no, not necessarily because it's weird because it's a it's Thursday, Friday, Saturday. You're right. Yeah. So it's it's a little less day of rest. So their number one could be tomorrow. Um, Kieran, okay. if you can he- if you can hear us, unmute and then we'll see if we can hear you. Yeah, can you hear me? Yes, sir. Hey, gotcha. fellas, how's it going? Appreciate the trip down memory lane. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks Which, for joining us. Uh, where do you want to go with your few minutes here? Anywhere you want to go, we'll go. Can we go to Hawaii? No, I was messing with you. Uh, <laughs> I listen. just got back from the DR, and I, I need a break. From the oh. So then I, I'd imagine you got that DR rum oh, uh, uh, that Rugal. you can't admit to drinking right now, right? I can't admit to drinking anything. But I tell you, Mama <laughs> Wana, stay away from it. If people offer you that stuff, do, don't do it. Don't do it. I hear you. Um, so yeah, just a quick question. I threw it in the chat, but I was just wondering, like, what's it going to look like between corners, safeties? There seems to be like a handful of bodies. We just got that recent transfer in too. So like, with Conley coming back, like, do we know what's going on back there? Barnes, you're up. No, I don't think we do. I think it's uh, it's going to be a situation where Warren and Chiswick have a pretty good idea of the guys who were healthy in the spring. But there's so many guys that were out, uh, and then you've got the OSU transfer coming in. I really think it's a situation. They're going to they're gonna be able to play around in the first couple of weeks of training camp to see where guys fit best. I mean, we clearly know that Grimes and Storm Duck are your number one and number two guys at cornerback. But beyond that, I don't know what we know. Um, is Conley – truly going to be at safety or is that a situation where they like him uh, at that nickel position? Because you know, one of the things was that they started him at safety last year, but they didn't have any you know, legitimate option at nickel to play like a, a big safety to play basically a linebacker to get in there and help with the run. And that's the key thing for Gene Jesuit. And so as athletic as a, of a guy as Conley is, he may want him closer to the line of scrimmage and maybe he'll play him at both spots, but those are the things that they've got to figure out. And because they don't have their hands on these guys yet, uh, they're going to have to really work through that. And so I think the key thing for people to understand, they've got a lot of bodies. They've got a lot of good players. They got a lot of options. And they just have to work through that. Uh, the first couple of weeks of training camp. I think the key with the defensive backfield um, is the defensive line. I mean, I, I think that with an improved defensive line that can get some more pressure than Carolina was able to get, they're all going to look better. Now, they still need to figure out who is going to be or who's going to be the guys. But, I, I mean, I think if they're not having to cover for five seconds a pop, then I think you certainly um, can get a better showing from those guys. Greg, do you think Conley is – and I know we've talked to his dad a lot, and I know he's progressing well, but, I mean, is it realistic to think that he can be healthy, completely healthy, um, at the start of the season? I, I just – technology and medical advances and all have been fantastic, but that's a tough ask. It is, especially to be 100%, because you, as we just talked about, it's not like it's Conley and then a bunch of scrubs. Like, there are good players behind him. And so, as good as he is, he's got to play to his top line in order to be the player that we think he can be. 
Um, and it's not like he was flawless when he played last year. I mean, still a young guy, still having to learn a lot of things about the game. But the raw talent is clearly there. And so, yeah, I, I, how quickly he's able to bounce back. I mean, if, if he's close to 100% by starting training camp, then I would expect him to start and play a lot. If we start, you know, kind of like we've seen last year, we saw in spring ball, if they're putting him in an orange jersey for the first two weeks and he's going through a lot of the limited contact stuff, but not the team drills where they're actually tackling and those kind of things, that may be an indication that they're going to bring him along slowly, which opens the door for other guys to step in. Kieran, who, who's your who's your guys? Who, who you think's back there? What's your take? You know, uh, I really can't speak intelligently on that, to tell you the truth, but I kind of am concerned to piggyback off your point, right, off of the new D-line or what we anticipate will be a newish performing D-line. We got beat over the middle, over the top, and it's been something that we've had pretty consistently. So my only concern was, like, do we see a talent upgrade back there? Do we see guys that maybe – God, it's going to sound like I'm throwing so much shade, but guys that may have a little bit more on the field um, awareness, I guess, to not keep giving up that same big play. Like, we see that in the run game. We get gashed from time to time, and that's been, like, a decade-long issue that the defense has faced. It doesn't matter who the D.C. is, right? Um, but – Getting beat over the top, we saw that, like, you were talking about the state game earlier, right? Cost us big at the most inopportune time. It really kind of put a sour note on the rest of the season. Yeah, and and I think, and, and Greg and Gregory especially can speak to this point, but I, I'll, I'll tell it from this angle. Um, when we talked, Joey Powell and I, after the spring game, and Gregory, after the spring game, talked to Storm Duck and Tony Grimes, there I, I think the change the spring game was an epiphany for me and granted they're playing against themselves and it's a spring game but there wasn't all that chaos before the snap and and greg i, I know you saw it and and i'd love your take on if it's relevant in a spring game but i think the communication those guys said all they do is communicate 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 we saw in the state game specifically in in you know 30 seconds that they weren't talking at all, and it burned them. Greg, is that change, that approach, I mean, I think that's got to be something that matters a lot out here. Those guys are talented. I mean, when you get to college, I mean, unless we're talking about Alabama and Texas A&M guys, you know, the expensive guys, um, <laughs> those guys are all talented. But they didn't look talented at all, Greg, last year at times in that backfield. Right. I, I do think one thing that's important coming out of spring is it wasn't your typical spring. And it was really a, a situation for Chiswick to be able to let the guys know, hey, these are your expectations. This is how we're going to do things. Uh, I don't care what you think. This is how I do it. Therefore, this is how you do it. And these are the ideas of what we want to accomplish. And that was pretty much it. And so when we were able to talk with Gene, you know, a couple of weeks after the spring game and kind of talk to him about communication, those kind of things, he really got into like, you know what? We really were just talking concepts with the guys. It wasn't like we were saying, okay, on this specific play, this guy's doing this, this guy's doing that. Everybody knew exactly what they were supposed to be doing. It was very much, hey, on this type of play call, this is what we're trying to accomplish as a group. 
um, which forced the guys to communicate because they didn't have specific roles. And so you saw them during the spring game saying, okay, hey, look, we're supposed to be able to defend the wide receiver out here. We're not handing off. You just stay with him. It forced them to communicate. And so I, I don't think necessarily what we saw in the spring will translate uh, the way some think it will just because there's going to be much more defined roles. Now, having said that, if you go back to 2015, uh, what Gene said is that he's going to follow pretty much a similar path. And what he did in 2015, he, he uh, skimmed it down to the bare bones and said, look, guys, these are only the things we're working on. And until you perfect those, we're not adding anything else. And so that first year in 2015, there wasn't, a lot to that defense and because the schedule was pretty weak it didn't matter until they got to the ACC championship game against Clemson and then against Baylor because against Baylor you know they were able to run the ball at will and Carolina doesn't have enough plays I mean they were basically drawing up things in the dirt because they hadn't stacked the the defensive scheme that much that year and he was able to do it more the next year and then by the time 2017 came along you know John Papucci said that the defense was finally in place in year three. And so you're going to see that more. Um, so I'll stop rambling, but I think what you are going to see to your point, Tommy, there is a lot of talent there. And so this is the opportunity for a lot of these guys to understand, Hey, there's not going to be a lot of stunts up front. They're not going to do a lot of this crazy movement that leads to some of that confusion. It's, Hey, you got this gap or this gap, pick one and go get the ball. Um, and simplifying things down to that level, in theory, should make it easier for the guys that are uber-talented to be able to beat their man one-on-one. And I think that, more than anything, has been the problem for UNC football on the defensive side of the ball the last couple of years. They've just not been good enough in one-on-one matchups uh, to, to get an edge. Karen, what's your uh, UNC fan story? Uh, I'm an alum, graduated in 2000. Um, uh, I think my my favorite game to watch was actually in 2001, which was the Carolina-Florida State game, where there was just a can of whoop beep opened up on Florida State on a Saturday afternoon, which was just a beautiful thing to watch. Well, Julius Peppers. Oh, Jew. Big Jew, for sure. They uh, – I was three years old, by the way. Oh, man, shut up. Yeah. Pre, and look, that was 9-11 year, so that was the first game. This yeah. SMU game before that was canceled because of 9-11, and then Kingdom Stadium was on fire when Florida State came in, and old Bobby Bowden looked like he didn't know what happened. And, uh, yeah, that was when uh, John Bunning destroyed yeah. Florida State. Who'd have thought? Man, appreciate you taking the time to jump in with us. Stick with us in the, in the chat and all. And uh, we'll keep rolling here, but thanks for taking the time to join. We appreciate it, man. Appreciate you being part of the family. Of course. Thank you, guys. Y'all are the best. Appreciate Take it. Care. Look, I have one request for Scott Holland in the chat. He needs to get in here. I know, but he needs to stop mentioning El Presidente because El Presidente is the beer of choice in the DR, and I don't want to read that or think about that. He's talking, that. he's talking I know about he's talking about Buck Sanders. Buck. Call him Buck. Just stay away from the words El Presidente, Gregory. One day you'll understand. Greg Barnes, did you change the view or did I change the view? What are you talking about? My view on my Zoom's messed up. Greg, when you're how looking do I, at – How would I change your Zoom view? 
I did not touch it. So I did not know. <laughs> um, Greg, when you look at this football team, um, and I mentioned the defensive line, I mean, does the defensive line make that much difference for that defensive back? I remember Dre Bly was fantastic. I remember Dre Bly was fantastic. You got to mute it, Mike J. We'll get to you. I asked um, him to unmute. That's on me. You know, Dre Bly was great his freshman year. And he was solid his next two years, but he wasn't as good as he was, um, or was he? It was just the defensive line wasn't as good. Is that a thing, Greg? I mean, explain to people why a guy like Travis Shaw, uh, why a guy like Des Evans makes a guy like Tony Grimes so much better. Go back, and as painful as it may be, but Carolina won the game, so maybe it's not as painful. But at least watch the first half of the Virginia game last year. Uh, I mean, their quarterback was able to sit in the pocket. And granted, he got rid of the ball fairly quickly, as, as spread offenses allow you to do these days. But he had a veteran offensive line. Carolina couldn't get any pressure on him. And so he just was able to make simple throws. Um, you know, football's easy when you can do that. But when you have uber-talented guys like a Julius Peppers that – can blow up your tackle, and therefore you've got to say, okay, our tackle has no chance against this guy. So we've got to chip him with the running back. We've got to chip him with the tight end, and we've got to double-team him with the guard. Well, now all of a sudden you've got an advantage on the defensive line. Look no further than the 2013 year for Carolina. Once Kareem Martin grew up and started to ball out, teams had to shift how they were playing offensive football against Carolina. And Carolina's defense was, I mean, I would say close to elite the second half of that season. Um, You know, Butch Davis talked about it quite a bit. You know, when you've got guys like Robert Quinn and Quentin Copels and Marvin Austin, it doesn't matter what the guys on the back end do. They can sit back there and cover two. They can play man because the opposing quarterback is not going to have much time to wait for those guys to get open. And as you said, Tommy, if you've got to defend somebody on the edge for five seconds compared to two seconds, You're I mean, I can, right. I mean, I, I can defend somebody for a split second, but you know, four seconds, there's no chance. And that, that's really what it comes down to. So a guy like Travis Shaw required, well, maybe not yet. We'll have to see. Eventually, the expectation is, is that he will require double teams up the middle which means that a guard is going to have to help the center. Well, if you've got a guard helping the center, now all of a sudden if you've got a three technique on that other side and you've got a defensive end and maybe you've got a linebacker coming up in the gap, well, you've got three on two. So what do you do? Do you take a running back out? Do you have to put an extra running back in? Do you have to use a tight end when maybe you didn't want to use a tight end? All those things kind of factor into the the chess match that it is. Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Gregory, right, Mike. bring them in. Uh, pause our video feed just so we don't hear that if, if you can for us please sir and then unmute for us and we'll be ready to go for us and we'll be ready to go all right how's it going guys can you hear me yes sir can you, can you pause our stream in the background can you pause our stream in the background well actually i'm not i'm not streaming i'm on zoom oh you don't have our youtube up oh you don't have our youtube up nope all right <laughs> that's got, just an, i'm on my phone that's just an echo then that's just an echo that we'll make do. How you how you doing? All right. uh, so how, you, how you doing? Good, good. How you guys doing? Good. Uh, good. First of all, I just want to compliment all you guys on your work. This this message board, this site is unbelievable. I mean, the amount of uh, up to date insight and heart i mean you can see how hard you guys work um you know i'm on a lot of different message boards and like like it, it is not even a comparison um inside carolina compared to a lot of the other content out there so i just gotta give you guys a lot of kudos um i've been on the message board since that started, I was on uncbasketball.com back in the day. My first memories of uncbasketball.com were uh, following the recruitment of Omar Cook. <laughs> uh, and that's how I got linked up with uncbasketball.com and Inside Carolina. Um, and been a diehard, uh, diehard uh, member ever since. My name is uh, Born in Blue on the message boards. Uh, nice. So first of all, I just got to give you guys, you, you guys are killing it. You guys nice. are, you guys are awesome. Uh, but just one, one uh, thing that I wanted to bring up that I like to hear you guys insight on is uh, something that my friend texted me this morning and he must've been watching the G, uh, the G league combine. And he threw out to me that, uh, you know, the question of whether, you know, possibly whether Brady Manick has a better shot in today's NBA of making it than, than Armando Baycott. Um, so I just thought that was an interesting topic. You know, at first you think about it and, you know, with, with Baycott's stats and what he's been able to accomplish, um, it's kind of funny that, you know, Manick, 
could even be in the same conversation. But, you know, in today's NBA, um, you know, I, I, I thought about it and, you know, Manic might fit a need quicker than Baycott, which is crazy to think about because in my mind, in the late 90s, early 2000s, Baycott is a top 20 pick in, 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 in those days. Um, so, yeah, that's, I just wanted to hear you guys, what you guys thought about that. Um, obviously, it's not relevant to Carolina now. It's about the NBA, but I just wanted to hear you guys' thoughts on that. First of all, Mike, appreciate the kind words. And um, the guy that's on the bottom of my screen is a big part of what you're talking about, about the coverage. I mean, Greg Barnes has been doing it for 17 years now, Greg, 16 years. And it's clearly, um, without question, undeniably the best in the business covering Carolina. Gregory Hall has made a name for himself and all. And, in, and of course, Buck and Ben and everybody else that works for Inside Carolina have just been um, fantastic. Look, it, it's cool to me to see it. And I see it from the inside for the most part. Um, and it's still um, fascinating and amazing to be able to watch these guys do their work. And, and so many – Many thanks for that, and I'm sure those guys feel the same way. To your question, and Greg, I'll come to you first. Absolutely, I think Brady Manick's more valuable in the NBA than Armando Baycott now, these days. How many people in the NBA cannot shoot today? If you can't shoot a three in the NBA today, no matter whether you're um, 5'10 or 7'2", you're going to struggle. And, I mean, Joel Embiid shoots threes. Everybody, I mean, Steph Curry changed the NBA more than um, or as much as Michael Jordan did. The Mavericks shot 49 threes last night. Yeah, if you can't shoot threes, and that's why um, Baycott is a fantastic college player, and I agree with what Mike said. Um, 20 years ago, he'd be a high draft pick. But, Greg, um, to his point, and in my belief, I think Manic, a guy like Manic – whether it's Brady Manic or not, but they can shoot like that and get that shot off that quick. It's all about opportunity and fit in the NBA. But if you can shoot, you can get a spot. And I think Manic absolutely has a better shot at it than Baycott. Who knows what Baycott will do his senior year? But as of right this second, I think it would be Manic, right? Yeah, I mean, look at the look at the great Carolina Fords centers that played under Roy, Shaw May, Hansborough, Zeller. Uh, I mean, even Bryce Johnson, Bryce Johnson is springy and athletic and all those things, but he couldn't shoot. How um, I many of those guys had a long career in the NBA? And I think that kind of really speaks to it. There's, there's no doubt in our time, you know, when we were coming up, there was need for a big guy in, in the post who was just a brawler and uh, all those kind of things. But, you know, when you start like Christian Leitner, I think is a good example of, um, a guy who was somebody who could play power forward at college, but he's a really good shooter. And that's one of the things that made him so unique is because, yeah, you had to defend him down low. You also had to defend him on the perimeter. That's 30 years ago. Uh, and so you started to see that mold of player come along and all the big guys. I mean, you mentioned Embiid, uh, Bam Adebayo. I mean, all these guys, Giannis, are just freak athletes. Or you're seeing teams that play small. Uh, and you've got you know, Draymond, 
sometimes running, playing the five, a lot of the times for, for Golden State. Uh, you know, if, if we can look at the numbers that Bay Cup put up this past year, which were phenomenal, numbers that we've never seen before. I mean, he tied David Robinson's record from 86 for double-doubles in a season. That's phenomenal. And yet, he wasn't in contention for a first-round draft pick. I think that tells you all you need to know, right? Didn't David Robinson go first? Right. That tells you all you need to know about the changing of the, the tides. Um, and so what Armando has to do is he could just do what he did last year, probably be an All-American, have a great career, play overseas. If he wants to be an NBA player, he's got to add a jump shot to his game. That doesn't mean he's got to knock down a ton of threes, but he's got to be able to space the floor. You can't be in a situation where if he goes to 10 feet or 15 feet, teams know they don't have to defend him. Because if that's the case, forget it. Whereas Manic, uh, I think he developed a lot in, in, at UNC in Hubert's system. Uh, his ability to not only make threes, but to get them up quickly. I mean, his release is crazy fast. That shot against Duke in the Final Four from the side over there where he kind of half pump faked and then pulled – that's yeah. nasty. Did you right. see his wingspan? Uh-uh. Is it long? Seven, seven foot two. Good for him. Yeah. That's, he had the same wingspan as Wendell Moore. I was shocked by that. And it totally, like, the height that he could get over players, it, t- makes, it makes total sense. But you have to have a – you have to find a, a niche, right, in, in the NBA game if you're not a star, if you're not a guy that's going to be a, a true starter. And Brady has that because he can come off the bench – and follow really the Cam Johnson mold for a while. You know, Cam's a more more of an athletic guy, but his first couple of years he was just coming in shooting threes. And now that he's been able to develop his game, he's become a bigger part of what Phoenix wants to do. Um, I don't know if Brady can get that far along, but certainly he's a guy that can come off the bench and give you instant firepower. And I don't think that's that's something that Armando can do right now. If Baycott can figure out how to even if it's the set shot because Embiid's threes are set shots but he's got to figure out the the release and all that and to be able to get it up he, it, it, look he comes out hitting 15 to 20 foot jumpers um next year for just, Carolina look yeah. what Grant Williams did in that random game where he decided to go off he had an attempted what, seven of them he yep. hadn't attempted more than nine in his career, and he was feeling it, and he got hot, and he won, he won them a playoff game and yeah. almost basically won them the series. Yeah, but also look at, at it, look at it from, like, Leaky Black's perspective. I mean, how much better of a player did he become? How much better did the offense get once he was able to knock down just a handful of threes? Not a ton, but the threat of being able to make a three-pointer change things because Virginia Tech in that first game in Chapel Hill they had Storm Murphy on him because they weren't worried about him scoring and just a little bit of improvement changed everything for for him and for the team Greg did you go to uh UNC's game at Davidson in 2007 I did you remember yep and so Steph Curry was on that team do you have any remembrance of that game i'm, I'm trying to think I, I believe that game was at the coliseum correct or was it actually uh, at davidson it was at oh. davidson because they had played davidson the year i'm looking at the box score right now they had played it was at belk arena davidson north carolina that's where they got the overhang that about hangs over the court yeah what curry years, years ago 
couple years thereafter, they played. I think they started playing at the Coliseum. Uh, Curry was eight for 22 with 24 points and was two of 12 from three. Wow. UNC won by four, first game of the season. Uh, you know, he, the reason I bring that up is because he changed the game of basketball, so to speak, in my opinion, as far as like the three points. And I, my leading there for Greg was like, do you like remember you too, Tommy? I was too young to like, I knew Steph Curry was going, doing great things when he was at Davidson and that the run and all of that. But like, do you guys like, did you yeah. see it coming? What he was about to do? No, I mean, obviously because... if you did, you would have probably. When he did it against Georgetown in the tournament, that's when it got nasty. But there's been a lot of guys that do what he did in the tournament and don't Correct. do anything. I mean, the kid from uh, one of those teams that beat Duke that you never heard of him again. I can't remember the names. But anyway, he, he was fantastic. But, I mean. Yeah, Davidson, it wasn't like that. I mean, Davidson has some good players anyway. Uh, and they had for a number of years after that, they were pretty good. I really think that the thing with Steph is that he was such a unique talent and he got to be so good that when Steve Kerr took over at Golden State, um, I'm trying to remember who wrote the, uh, the piece on it, and it, it's slipping my mind right now. But somebody did a deep dive with Steve years ago. And you had, um, you had Steph and the Clay Thompson came around not long thereafter. And, Steve was like, okay, well, we got to get some big guys in here to make this thing work. And he had some random conversation with somebody. They're like, well, what if you do something different? What if we change things up because you have so many good shooters? And it was like this pivotal moment where Steve could have gone either way. And yet he decided to take the risk. Um, and that really kind of got things started. And then what's the guy's name that was at Houston forever? Uh, Daryl Morey, is that right? He kind of did the money ball thing on the, the basketball side of things and started to realize that, hey, wait a minute, we don't have to shoot near as well from three as we do from two to be much more effective. And so all these things kind of came out about the same time. And I think Steph is just one of those guys. He was an ideal fit for what Steve Kerr and that, that bunch wanted to do. And it just exploded from there. So I don't think it was really anything he did at Davidson other than like Tommy said, he was just a stud on, on a relatively unknown team at that point in time. I saw a uh, interview. It was Draymond and Steph talking about the trade that the Warriors did to get Andrew Bogut. And I, was it with the Bucks? Um, I think it was with the Bucks. And it was early in Steph's career. And the Bucks originally wanted Steph. And the Warriors were going to make the trade. Steph to go to the Bucks for Andrew Bogut. And then the Bucks doctors didn't clear Steph's ankles. So they traded someone else. And Steph's been a warrior and has done what instead, like this was Steph telling the story. Like this is him being like, yeah, <laughs> they, and the Draymond's like, looked in the camera and was like, those doctors should be fired, <laughs> even though it's like risk and everything, but it's pretty funny. Bogut like we appreciate one pick too, I think. Oh, Mike left. I was going to thank Mike for his question. Um, and let's, uh, appreciate that he's here. We got one more here. Hold on. Let, let's do Sean. I told Sean Carley we'd do his his question. All right. Um, he can't get in. He's got a, 
other more pressing issues than jumping on Zoom with us. But he's asked us, and, and I'll ask you guys both this. I think we've discussed it a little bit. Do you think the guys with all the press and all these play, players doing all this offseason NIL stuff and merchandising, do you think it can lead into the fall um, and perhaps lead into guys getting big heads or distractions or, um, you know, bad things for the redemption tour and all? I, I think that's a valid question, Greg. Um, I don't know if Hubert Davis has a rule about in-season stuff. I know I heard Baycott on another podcast um, talking about um, they try not to do a ton of that stuff during the season, um, but there's a lot of work to be done in the off-season as well. We've seen Baycott with Shibwe and all those um, workout videos, but but is that any kind of fear, Greg? And A, is it a fear? B, how much is it on the coaching staff to prevent that? And see how much is it ultimately on the player themselves to not get fat and happy? Yep. All those things are, are very good questions, Tommy. Yes, it's a concern, especially since we're really kind of just at the very beginning of this NIL stuff. Um, you know, Carolina basketball, especially, was a little bit slow coming along, kind of getting their processes in place. Um, and that they've started to make some strides in that regard. Uh, the coaching staff has got to be clear in what they want to do. And I think Hubert has done a good job. I mean, from day one, he said, look, you know, if, if you, if you work hard at helping the team get better, that's going to provide rewards for you. And there's truth there. Um, is it on the coaches? Yes, for sure. But it's also on team leadership. And I, I think this is something you can really learn from John Calipari. Um, you can also learn, I think, from what's happened at Duke the last couple of years, really seven, eight years now into this one and done deal. Calipari was always, look, our job is to get guys to the league. Uh, We want them to have a successful future. We want them to be successful at the next level. We're not so worried about the here and now. We're going to benefit from it, but that's not necessarily our focus. And that's kind of been his message. How's that worked out for him? Not, Not very well. I mean, they've had a couple of good years, but uh, when you look at the talent level, it hasn't been there. Duke's the same way. I mean, they had the, the one good year in 15. Um, but as much talent as they've had, they should have had more success than they have. And I, I think a lot of that is you get guys coming in thinking about the NBA, and you lose that team component. And that stuff matters. I mean, Carolina is a great example. Carolina um, was, was not a great team entering the NCAA tournament. And for whatever reason, it clicked. And give everybody credit for it. When it clicked, they went from being like an average, you know, fringe top 25 team to really, really good, who had a probably should have won the national championship. Um, Which is still crazy. It is. This is nuts. <laughs> but that's, that's what it takes. And so you have to figure out a way to keep those bonds without letting the NIL stuff get in the way. Uh, I think the fact that this group is experienced and kind of a a veteran squad and they've been through a lot, that should help. But that's certainly something that Hubert and every other coach in America is going to have to be very careful about and figure out how do you manage those things. Um, And like you said, during the season, it can't be a topic. It can't be a focus. But if you let the cat out of the bag in the offseason – how do you get it back in? And that's all the things. That's why Hubert makes makes the big bucks. He's got to figure all that stuff out. 
Yeah, somebody, uh, Tony in the chat said, won't NL stock go up if UNC team excels? Absolutely. I mean, I think Manic said in a show I heard or an interview or somebody was talking about it, he sold like two, three, four times as many shirts in, in the past three weeks after the national championship game than he'd sold the entire season. Um, because I mean, it works I mean, the same way for inside Carolina. Or, I mean, uh, the numbers that we got during the month of March on YouTube, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's like, Nobody wants to buy. It's like buying a jersey uh, of a pro player. You don't buy a jersey of a pro player if they stink. But if they're good, you go out and buy the jersey. And it works the same way with these guys with NIL. So, yes, team, that is where I think we'll see the balance uh, or, or see how teams balance it is. Um, I'll tell you a great – I listened to All the Smoke podcast, and Shaheen Holloway was on there the other day. And I listened to that. It's about two hours. It's worth listening to. Um, he dishes heavy on Duke and, and the recruitment. But he talked about That's guys. That's the St. Peter's coach, right? Yeah. Well, Seton Hall coach now. Right. But he talked about guys out there to get theirs. Um, and you can tell the guys that only want to get theirs. And he doesn't want any part of those people. And so I think it will be interesting to see how these teams handle it in the world of NIL. Um because I think college, I think team success matters, especially for a team like Carolina. Um, but will it matter for teams like USC that go out and steal Jordan Addison? Um, will it matter for, I mentioned Bama and A&M. Or A&M that's buying their whole <laughs> Greg, have you seen all that? Yeah. What's that? I mean, that is fantastic. Incredible. Um, so, I, I mean, I think, has Carolina benefited from NIL? Absolutely. Those guys aren't. Nobody stays anymore um, if you can't prosper. So I think that's helped in that guard. But will they, will they be able to channel it for team success? I think this is the year we'll find out a lot and see how it works. What you got, Gregory? All right, I'll get him in here. Um, he, he joined as in Cameron and whatnot, and then he left, and now he's changed his name to MC Hammer. What's there up, he is. Dude? Still connected to audio. For anyone who doesn't know MC Hammer, he's M Cameron MCHC something on Twitter, and he's very frequent in our chat, Twitter, message boards. He's a premium subscriber. So welcome, sir. Hey, can you guys hear me? Absolutely. Bring yeah, it now. It. You always bring it in <laughs> chat. Bring it now. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, man. Um, I think I'll kind of, before I start, like, I'll echo what everybody else has said. Like, I, I really do appreciate you guys. Like, I, I look forward to all of the content that you put out. So thank you, all of you, for that, especially um, the audio and the podcast, because I have some little ones. And uh, it's kind of hard to go on and read sometimes, but I love listening to the podcast while I'm running or, like, soccer games and stuff like that. So thank you guys very much. We appreciate Absolutely. that. It's fascinating. Um, you know, we get a lot of people on the message boards, especially that want the podcast transcribed. Um, and Ben and Gregory especially do a great job of knocking out articles with podcast content. But I'm like you, man. I, I listen to all my podcasts when I'm walking or when I'm exercising. Yeah. Bump it up um, to time and a half, you know, so I sound a little more coherent. I mean, not so country, and it's just an easy way to assume to consume all the content. And when I listen to ours, 
and I bump it up to time and a half. I'm like, that dude knows, sounds like he knows what he's talking about. But we do it all for you guys. So I appreciate you saying that. And I know Greg and Gregory do. What you got for us? Yeah, for sure. Okay. So um, it seems like since I was born, all I've heard is how the UNC football team is a sleeping giant and this like soon to be national power, right? But it's never happened. I mean, I'm 40 years old. And I'm still waiting for it, right? So I kind of want you guys take on like the feasibility because I'm a pretty realistic guy and I'm trying to think like, you know, can this happen? Can the UNC football team get to the national stage? And what is it going to take to get there? And I don't only talk about like coach players, but also fan base support. I know um, Tommy's talked about that in the past, but I kind of like to just get you guys thoughts on, you know, what it'll take for the North Carolina football team to get to be a national powerhouse. I think there's a, there's a couple of things. Um, and, and number one, I, the reason why Bobby Bowden made that comment, what, 30 years ago, is because you – know, we're getting old, right? Um, is because when you come to Chapel Hill, um, it's a special place. And, you know, I, I've, I've lived in this area for a long time. I'm, I'm a native North Carolinian. Um, you know, just in terms of – proximity right you're three hours from the mountains you're three hours from the beach uh you you've got the triangle area a bunch of good schools a bunch of good hospitals it's the place to be it's one of the hottest markets in the, in the country it has been for a long time and then you have chapel hill which is this uh i mean it's a college town and you have franklin street and it's a beautiful old campus and the academics are great everything that you could want is there and i, and I think for those of us that come to carolina games and have been around the area, you appreciate it, but it really takes going to Boston College and, and walking around their facilities and going to Virginia Tech and going to Miami um, and having to drive 30 minutes to the football stadium and all these different things to really be like, wait a minute, like Carolina really is special. It really is unique. Um, and so I think if you just start there, there's a lot to build from. And then beyond that, there you get into, okay, well, what is the infrastructure like in the athletic department? Because if the athletic department doesn't want it, forget about it. It doesn't matter what the fan base says. It doesn't matter what Bobby Bowden says. The athletic department has to be in full support. And for a long time, it's been Carolina basketball number one and football's number two. And we won't get into all the stuff that happened when Mac Brown left the first time with Dickie Bedore. Um, but Dickie wasn't operating by himself in that situation. You know, there's a lot of people telling him that basketball reigns supreme. Carolina is finally past that. And now that Carolina is past that, what it's going to take is a number of years of sustained success, both in recruiting uh, and in the win-loss column. And that's the issue with football is because if you look at like what Clemson did under Dabo, I mean, it took years to get to where they were winning 10 games a year. And then it took more years for them to get to where they you know, could compete for a national championship. So until you have, like, I mean, Max got a good start. Until you have year after year after year of these top 10, top 15 classes, you can forget about it. Um, and so I think for Carolina, for that to really uh, gain traction, 
is that Carolina needs to win some coastal division titles. They need to go ahead and win a ACC championship for the first time since 1980. Once those things happen, then I think the fan base is going to say, okay, well, we are finally here. People on the inside of Carolina message boards, they're already there. They see the potential. It's the casual fair weather fans, which, which there are a lot of, that need to see that success. And once they see that success, I think everybody's going to come pouring in. Uh, and then you've got a lot of stuff to work with. But there's just so much of a foundation that has to be laid. And the key parts are there. Now you've got to have success on the field. You've got to keep signing these recruiting classes. Um, and so, as I said, Max done a good job thus far. Still has a ways to go. But at least the, the future is bright, if you will. I think for me, I've said forever um, that Carolina is an eight-win program. Now, watching it for a long time, I mean, you know, eight wins should be the, the benchmark. Six, five or six is a bad year. Eight's a normal year. Uh, Ten or eleven is a good year. Carolina's probably less than that. The thing about it is, is winning college football games is hard. Winning enough of them to win a national championship is really hard. Look at Carolina basketball this year. This is the difference in the sports. Carolina basketball was terrible in Pittsburgh game in late in the season, and they should have won the national championship. They were able to turn it. You can't do that in football. You can't be terrible in a game in, you know, in the middle of the season and then have a chance to win the national championship. You have to dang near be perfect all year to win a national championship in football. And Carolina's always found a way to step on itself to, to not be that. Now, they do it to the extent of they go eight and four. But if you look at good teams, there's been plenty of teams that are really good but don't get any, anywhere near a national championship because they're not Alabama. They're not Clemson, Ohio State. There's a reason those guys play every year. Um, in which it's kind of boring to me to watch um, when it's the same teams. So I think for Carolina to do that, A, they have to be very, very lucky. You know, everybody talks about in six and seven season, oh, they're five points away from eight and four. Well, they were five points away from, you know, two and ten too. So you have to be very lucky, and it has to all come together in, in, a, in, a, in a perfect situation for Carolina. Alabama can be less than perfect and still get there. Um, Clemson could. They've fallen off, fallen off a little bit. Georgia can be less than perfect and still get there. But for Carolina. They haven't they, fallen off. Who? Clemson? Clemson. One bad season. When they show me a quarterback that can play on an elite level, I will agree with you. Because that matters. One That's season. another thing. They won 10 games. I'm not falling off falling relative off. to them. There's a relative thing. Would you have picked – okay, let me ask you this. How many points would you have given Clemson against Alabama or Georgia this year? 20? So it's Fair. one season. Fair. Greg Barnes, I like what you said. M. Cameron, you hear me. You know what I'm talking about. Carolina's got to be perfect to do it. Most schools, not named those big names, have to be perfect to do it. And that's why it's so difficult. Mac Brown's on the, on the way, and he's stacking talent enough. But you can't make – coaching errors you can't have clock management errors you can't have mind-blowing penalties mind-blowing coverage bust um, and do it and the teams that are able to do that are the ones that are winning it and that's why I think Carolina 
we saw Carolina creep as close as you can get with the weakest schedule they had in 15. You know, and then we saw what happened. They lost to Clemson on a bad play, and then they didn't show up in the Baylor game. It's just hard. And I think Carolina fans, it's tough for Carolina fans to support the football team to the level that we all need to see because basketball has had so much success and Carolina fans say, well, why can't football do that? It's just my take. I'm going to be there regardless. Cause one thing I love is college football Saturdays, whether it's Carolina or I'm going to Tuscaloosa on October 8th to see that game. I mean, but not everybody thinks that way. And Mac had everybody in the palm of his hands this time last year. I think Greg, you might agree with that. Had everybody in his hands this time last year and they squandered it. And that's what Carolina football has done. Can they get it together? Sure. But it's hard. And people, people with expectations that it's not hard um, and believe it's not hard are going to be disappointed more often than not, unless you're Bama, Georgia, Clemson, Ohio State. What do you think, Gregory? I mean, as someone that has grown up in – I mean, when I started watching Carolina basketball, it was in the middle of Tyler Hansborough's uh, – whatchamacallit, his player of the year season and whatnot. So I've seen basketball win in 09. Um, I saw 2012 with Kendall Marshall's injury. That was 12, right? Um Saw 16, attended school in 17, attended school in 18, even 19, which wasn't – was not 19 the bad season or 20? Dude, you're 20. talking basketball. I've forgotten too much. 20. Um, so, I saw 19. 19 was Kobe, right? So, I saw 19 um, and whatnot. Like, have, basketball's always been solid. Like, there was – obviously, 10 wasn't a great year. Um, but then I also saw football and what it could be in 15 when they went 11 and one and um, had a good year and the hype around the next year when competitive against Georgia to open the season. And like, I've seen that and growing up as a football fan with the sec and whatnot, always wanted my local teams to get to that level. Now seeing the culture around it, it's hard to even imagine a team in North Carolina having that football culture and to me i think it i don't know what comes first i don't know if i don't i think the team has to get to that level first for the culture to follow i think that's just how it works um like i can't imagine when clemson started to just win every year that they were instantly fantastic culture now going to clemson games is a lot of fun go ahead they they i mean i i went let's see i can't remember what game it was but i saw a game in death valley i think ronnie mcgill was the running back and uh, carolina lost like 52 to 7 or something yeah and clemson clemson wasn't even really that good back then but their fan base like they were nasty like crazy so i think some of that fan base on their side was already there so i think it revolves around that and to and just and the unc game against miami at night when Daz caught that touchdown was the most electric I've ever seen Keenan stadium. Now I know judgment day and whatnot, but like if that level can get sustained and I know it's going to have, it's going to take some football excellence for that to come. Like I've seen like that level. And I, I think that's all it takes. It's just that energy, that excitement, um, the packed houses, and then the football team gets there and then put it all together with the brand that UNC is to answer the question of 
can UNC surpass their eight win expect expectations? The answer is yes. Now, is it the level of what Alabama has been able to do? That's like asking if um, the Rams can get to the level that like before the Super Bowl could get to what the Patriots did. Like it takes something special, but to be yearly relevant in the ACC, yeah, I think that can happen sooner rather than later if the culture gets there and the wins start to stack up now. You want to uh, let me let's talk about fan base for a second. And I've I've taken some heat for being hard on the fan base. Go back and look at the average attendance of South Carolina's season when they went zero and eleven in yeah. Columbia. They sold out every game, and they sucked. And they were zero and eleven in that season. I believe it might have been Lou Holtz, one of Lou Holtz's last years. And that stadium was packed every time or close to it. It's got to be perfect for Carolina to do it. Mac almost what, had what it else, perfect. What else is there to do in Columbia, Tommy? That is valid. <laughs> Probably stay in the air condition because that place is the hot. Greg, you remember that game we covered? That's the hottest place I've ever hottest. been. Short of being in the real the fairgrounds down there is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Let me, Tailgating let me, in the fairgrounds are terrible. Yeah. Let me ask this. Let me pose this question. We talk a lot about the fan support and the fan base and the electric crowds and all this stuff. Um, but uh, the point made just there, you know, in some of these towns like Tuscaloosa, I mean, football games, that's what they do. That's like the have highlight. Been, have you ever been in Tuscaloosa? I have. Yeah, so there's nothing else to do. Correct, and a lot of a lot of these towns are that way. I mean, Clemson's kind of the same way, right? Auburn's um, the same way. So is is that required to field an elite team? I don't I think it all goes together. USC was elite, and they're in LA. But look, listen. So South no, Carolina, nineteen ninety nine. South Carolina, 1999, 0 and 11. I just I found it on Wikipedia, so I need to ask. I need to show it. East Carolina. They played East Carolina September 18th, 7 o'clock at night in Bryce Stadium after losing their first two games to State and Georgia, 82-6. They lost that one. They lost the old Miss. 82-6? No, 82,600. That's how many. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Greg was like, I, I don't I remember that sucked. happening. I didn't remember them sucking that bad. They, okay. right. Vanderbilt. They were 0-8 going into Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt comes to williams Bryce, 75,000 people there. They lost 11-10 to 10 to Vanderbilt. I'd like to see the halftime attendance. Yeah. It doesn't matter. I they know. Play, they, they ended with Florida and Clemson. Of course, Clemson was 80-some thousand. Um, Greg, to your point, does fan base make a difference? I think it's all related. And I think Gregory mentioned that Miami game. That game was off the hook in Keenan Stadium, and I've seen a ton of them. I saw Judgment Night. That place was nuts. I've never seen it like that before. Um, but since Geo's punt return against State and that Miami game, or and maybe the Chesterat interception against Duke, which is another one of those games I still can't believe happened, but that Miami atmosphere needs to be the norm because that's part of the perfect ball that it has to be for Carolina to be successful. That's my take. What do you think, M. Yeah, Cameron? That, that, 
the athletes notice it too. Like I've, I've, I watch all the interviews that you guys post on YouTube and they notice whenever the fans there to support them or not too. I think that makes a difference in how hard they play. To your point, it, it's, uh, it's possible. I don't think the fan base has to have it, but anyway, man, pre- look, let me, let me heap you props. You heap props on us. You've been here. I mean, have you missed one of these? Maybe one? Uh, no, as long as I can get my kids to bed by nine, I usually make most of them, but I, I can't remember one that I've missed. Um, maybe when I was on vacation, <laughs> I don't remember, but well, yeah, I love these. these are great. Well, we, uh, we appreciate it. You guys are why we do it. And, um, you know, Barnes is the man, Gregory is the man and the rest of the inside crew. I'm just here for the party and, um, but it's, you know, the fans and the subscribers and all that, we much appreciate it. And, and you guys are what make it all go. And um, so keep up the support. Um, they'll keep, keep kicking the content and all, and it'll keep right on rolling. And who knows? We might pick them 12-0 again. Come What's August. your um, fan? How long have you been a fan, did you say, of Carolina? I've been. I've been a Carolina fan my whole life. I mean, I, I remember doing a Jeff Lebo basketball camp when I was a kid, you know, learning beef, balance, eyes, elbows, follow through. Um, I actually didn't go to North Carolina because I wanted to get an engineering degree. But just so you know, I didn't go to state. So I was going to say, unlike Mr. Greg Barnes, who did go to state. Watch it. Don't be spreading that kind of stuff. It, oh, he's, he's, so he's proud of it. <laughs> it's it's cool it's not a big deal but yeah i actually uh didn't go there because i wanted to be an engineer but i've been a fan pretty much my whole life um it's just um it's been a wonderful experience i think you know my i think you asked like the older gentleman earlier like what his favorite game is like i remember throwing the beer across bank of america stadium when they called offsides on that kickoff on that onside <laughs> kick like i just remember like vividly but I also remember being the only Carolina fan in the section of like 500 Clemson fans too. So that was crazy. <laughs> that was a wild night. Um, yeah, it's one of those things. It was like, it was right there. Perfection was right there and it just didn't quite happen. But man, we appreciate it. Um, we've rambled on um, for an hour and a half now. So we probably ought to get it going. But I, I'm glad you jumped in with us and uh, keep staying on. Keep keeping the chat live I, and all. I, and can I ask one rapid fire question? Sure. Is this is this the year that the football team loses the soft tag, and I don't have to hear the NCT sucks fans talk about that? <laughs> what do you think? I don't know if it happens in one year, but I think that okay. I think if the defensive line is as good as they hope it to be, I think that changes the game. What do you think, Greg? I think for sure 2023, but I think Carolina will have to beat state um, impressively without relying on the offense this year to get state fans to be alert. But I, I think 2023 is when that defense should should be very, very good. And, and, the, and the toughness tag, the softness tag, all that, it's all related to defense. Yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean basketball state- team – State is this year, so hopefully that. Go ahead. Yeah, states. This is what kills me about state fans. They are literally (laughs) a one in a hundred or one in a thousand miracle 
from having nothing to say. But you'd have thought that they won by 40 in Carter Family. <laughs> anyway, to your point, the basketball team, look, and I said this, and I've said it over and over, um, the second Baycott flew, threw Aluma down for Virginia Tech, the narrative flipped for Carolina, and the season yeah. flipped, I think. And um, look, a lot of us early in the season were wondering what the heck Hubert Davis was doing, and I don't think we were the only one. But when he started talking about looking for a fight, wanting to fight, and taking the fight to them or picking one, they showed it, man. And they that's one thing about the basketball team that I haven't seen from the football team is that when they walked off the court in a national championship game, they did all they could do. There's nothing left yeah. to do to win that game, in my opinion. And Matt Brown figures out how to get his football team to do that on a weekly basis, then, then we're talking. I'm going to tweet at Jeff Goodman and tell him to call the team soft this year. <laughs> I love that Mondo talked to him. Like that's, that's why Armando's going on this medium storm tour because like, he's, he reads stuff. He hears stuff. He interacts. And he's not afraid to. So good stuff, man. We appreciate it. Thank yeah, you. Thank sir. you guys. Of course. Gregory, you got anybody else? We're going to wrap the show. Uh, there's someone waiting here. So I'll bring, uh, bring them in. See if he's here, and then Greg has a stat of the day, which you know we love stat of the stats of the day. There he is. Audio is connecting. Oh, I thought What's he had a Kansas. On, I thought he had a Kansas shirt on for a second. Sticker. What's up, man? Hey, man. I appreciate everything y'all do. Enjoy these. Uh, I, sorry, I got my dog right here. So oh, you're fine. You have to show the dog. <laughs> yeah, all right. Is this Marshall. the elusive dog? Nice, Marshall. That's, that's Marshall. One what's, and a half year uh, old black lab. What's your name? Your Zoom tag says Wake County Asbels. Yeah, yeah, Noah Asbel. I'm in Wake County, uh, Chapel Hill, born and raised, though. Um, class of uh, 2004, Chapel Hill High. So Nice. Very happy about that. Um, hey, real quick, I know y'all are trying to get off here. Uh, Tommy's probably got some Advil to take. Uh, Gregory's Come probably on, got man. a party to go to. <laughs> I got to get my melatonin, man. I got yeah. my melatonin right here. He's, he's, he's got his Tylenol PM <laughs> next to his vitamins. <laughs> that was a good one. Uh, real quick, what do you feel like the ceiling is for Josh Downs this year? I mean, are we are we talking first team ACC? Where do you think his ceiling is at this point? And then, um, second unrelated question is: sports has a lot of superstition around it. And do, do you have a, a player that had a superstition that y'all really enjoy, thought was uh, entertaining, and do y'all have any superstitions? I'll, I'll take it off of, off the air, and uh, I'll, I'll hang up and listen. Man, you're awesome. Hey, appreciate the questions. Um, cool dog, Black Labs, you can't go wrong with them. Ceiling for Josh Downs, I mean, Greg, I, I, I find it hard to believe he can be better than he was last year. Um, or at least statistically wise better than he was. But I mean, first, first team, all ACC first team, all all American. I think that is dependent on what the quarterback does. Right. I mean, it, Sam, how obviously threw to him almost every time. Uh, what do you have a stat Gregory that has a Sam Howe's Josh down targets? percentage because it had to be you know 65 percent or whatever why 
Because he was open. Right. And nobody else was. Yep. So you have this, you have this uh, situation where you've got a great quarterback who uh, developed a rapport with a very good wide receiver who got open all the time, and nobody else could do that. And then you add in the fact that the offensive line struggled and was inconsistent. you got to get the ball out quickly. And that's why you saw Josh Downs' numbers be what they were. Um, I think it's an interesting question because there's two parts of it. Will his stats match what they were last year? I have a hard time believing that will happen just because of what we just laid out. Will he be a better player next year? Undoubtedly, yes. Um, And as Tommy said, it's really up to the quarterback. You would hope that they develop another couple wide receivers, even though they're short on numbers. Maybe the green kid comes in and he's elite. Well, that changes everything because as the season went along last year, teams started to bracket downs. It really limited his effectiveness, even though he was still getting open. Um, So they need somebody to step up to really help him, and the quarterback has to be good. And even so, his numbers may not be what they were last year, but I think if those things happen, the offense will be really good. Um, you know, if you get a secondary wide receiver, the quarterback's pretty solid. The offensive line, you know, I don't think can be any worse than they were last year. Uh, and I think that sets him up to be first-team All-ACC and to be a contender for the Blitnikoff and for All-America. Um, I just don't know that if he can put up the same numbers, but he's already got the attention, right? So he doesn't necessarily need the same numbers. He just needs to have success on the field. I think it's interesting when you look at 42%. God. Is that all? I can't all? Believe I can't believe it's that low. He's got look. like eight receivers to throw. <laughs> well, it looked like he threw it to him every time. Look, after the Miami game, and I assume ESPN stats are accurate. If they're not, it's not my fault. Um, he went nuts against Notre Dame, but he didn't have a touchdown. He did not have a touchdown in the last one, two, three, four, five, six games of the season. Teams figured out how to keep him bracketed and keep him in the end zone. He had eight touchdowns in the games before that. Um, And that's, you know, he basically had eight receptions every game. He had four against Wake, three against South Carolina. To Greg's point, the quarter and what I said earlier, either Drake May or Jacoby Criswell have got to be good. But Downs has got to have some help because while he was um, open a lot, once he moved to absolute number one on the scouting report, his percentage or his production, at least touchdown-wise, came down. And um, if that happens and nobody else steps up, then Carolina's going to be in trouble, flat out. And that's with Ty Chandler having another 1,000-yard season. So I think Downs can be really good. He'll be a better receiver. We talked to him after the spring game, great interview. Um, he will be better. He's a kid that doesn't sit um, by and not get better. Um, will his numbers improve? I don't know. But I, I'd be shocked if he's not first-team All-ACC. Josh Downs can win the Blenikoff Award. Um, and I think it – I mean, that's the ceiling, right? Like, he was there this past year. Um, like was it finalist or one of the last three or four like guys? Finalist, I think. Yeah, semi finalist, I believe. And that was what everything Tommy just said. Um, and his success relies on the quarterback, but then it relies on two guys who I think are going to be the most important pieces next to him: Bryson Nesbitt and Antoine Green. 
because those are going to be the two big targets that can complement downs directly. And if eyes are on them and they're lethal and they need to be guarded and guys need to worry, defenses need to worry about them, then Josh can get more open than he did last year, just based on his abilities. Now, if it's the same case as last year and the teams have a whole season of tape on him, then that's a completely different story. And regardless of whether or not the quarterback can get it to him. But I think it definitely relies on guys like Antoine Green and Bryson Nesbitt for him to reach that ceiling. And I, I do think Josh Downs can win the Blenikoff next year. Yeah. He had 350 yards after October last year and had 1,300 and some yards on the that's season. Ins- that's insane. So he had 1,000 yards in the first two months of the season, and he really <laughs> fell off on that. What were your other questions? Superstitions? I, yeah, yeah. I, you know, generally – sports just has a lot of superstitions i I didn't know if there was a a player who had a particular superstition y'all particularly enjoyed or if there was a superstition that that y'all had uh specifically huh well i learned in fort worth texas that roy williams spits in rivers in fort worth texas that's when i learned that new orleans oh i learned about it in fort worth well did you spit well, you didn't go to New Orleans. Greg, did you spit in the river in New Orleans? I was, I'm not super. I was in New whatsoever. Orleans with you. <laughs> I'm just messing with you, Greg. Um, so in terms of players, I'm not exactly sure. I'm trying to think. I've um, known guys that would throw up. I mean, that's a big thing for athletes. I think Josh Allen was talking about that on some show the other day. And I've heard guys that throw up before every game. Um, I'm a baseball guy, so don't step on the lines. Correct. I was going to say a lot of the, a lot of the great – Carolina teams that went to Omaha, you know, four years in a row. A lot of those guys had some stuff, but I really think Roy Williams takes the cake because, um, you know, that was the guy that if, if he was wearing a suit and Carolina played bad, he'd never wear the suit again. Uh, and the spitting yep, also river stuff. With money, and, right. Well, correct. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he, he, he had all kinds of superstitions and, uh, you know, the players used to make fun of him about that quite a bit, but yeah, I don't know of any basketball players that had any oddball uh, superstitions. That might be some uh, – that will be some good off-season talk. Yeah, with, for sure. Uh, former guys and um, maybe at ACC media days and stuff to see. But, you know, I think the superstitious stuff is older people, right? It's uh, Oh, I'm superstitious. You are? So, so what's your superstition? Um, well, growing up when I played ball – um, I had to have, I had a, uh, tiger eye stone and if Marble? I didn't, yeah, well, those marbles, no, it was a stone. Like it was a rock that I had gotten <laughs> in the mountains when like, it was a, it was a tiny rock and I had it in my back pocket, right back pocket in every game before, you know, like you do your baseball routine. I would rub the rock and get in the box. And if I didn't have the rock, I wasn't going to have a good game. If I forgot the rock, I think it was like 13 ones just absolutely bawling because i didn't have my rock 13 year old my mom thought it was the most ridiculous thing she'd ever heard and then swimming um i had to have my like special pair of goggles all swimmers the goggles it's like the superstition thing so i always grew up like if i didn't have them i just mentally was gone the mental was not there if i didn't have my certain things that i needed for athletics but i put my uh is it superstitious that i put both socks on before i put my shoes on does everybody, or is it something everybody does? I like, That's normal. 
part of the reason is I can't bend over, but so many times. So, so I gotta, you put like you put someone puts like a sock on and then a shoe on and then their left foot's just barefoot. I don't know. That I is not. Says. That's not a thing, right? I don't know, man. That's why I asked. If you're what in the chat, if you have to get up really quick. If you're in the chat and you put your shoe on put, with your other foot barefoot, I is I don't know if that's a thing. So do you put both socks on before you put one shoe on? Um, yeah, it's weird stuff, man. Look, I was running through the Fort Lauderdale airport without any shoes on, period, trying to catch our flight coming back from the Dodd Palooza. So, uh, but that's another story. A riff on this. What's your favorite like sports team superstition that they do? Like Notre Dame touches the thing. Clemson touches the rock. Do you guys have a favorite that anybody does? What do you think? I think touch and play like a champion is pretty cool. Is that superstition or is that just tradition? Well, that's another question. What's the difference between – does it end up turning into a tradition if originally it was a superstition thing? Well, if you feel like if you don't do it, it's going to like – you're going to get struck dead by lightning or something, that's different. I'm sure there are fans that if they, if they ever saw Notre Dame football not touch that thing, they would like think the world was ending. That's like inner Sandman at Virginia Tech. Is that a tradition or is that a superstition? Right. Right. Could you imagine if like the power was out in the game and they, the audio was busted and they couldn't play that at VT? What would happen? The they, would sing, they would sing it. Go find That's the YouTube true. of the dude on the field, the manager that filmed it from start to finish, and he's down on the field. After the music starts when them boys are walking out for the uh, coin flip and the whole stadium singing it, that was pretty epic. Can't lie, that was epic. What you got? You got anything else for us, man? You are a long time listener. What about your, yeah, what about your superstitions? What, yeah. what you What's got? your superstition? So, so uh, I am normally a no Carolina gear on game day. That has been my superstition for years now. And this season, I was like, you know what? It's just not working. So, just prior to the Duke game at Cameron, I bought a new Carolina hat. And I was like, I'm just going to wear it. And I wore it, results speak for themselves, and then I did not wear it for the Virginia Tech game in the ACC tournament. Your fault. My fault. I apologize, everybody. <laughs> we need but to get you I, inside Carolina hat. <laughs> yeah, so I, I wore it the entire – I told my neighbor, who's a Carolina grad, that this was kind of a thing, and he insisted on me texting him a photo of me with the hat on prior to game tip for every game throughout the entire tournament. So did that. And he was down in new Orleans and he was texting me from the, the, the arena. Do you have your hat on? And I was taking a picture of it. Showing <laughs> him I had my, my Carolina hat on. Nice. I think I'll, I'm going to tweet out. What is your favorite Carolina superstition? I know some people that wear the same shirt all the time or sit in the same seat. You know, we tried to switch oh, get- seats in one game. I can't remember what it was. Didn't work. My my wife is a state grad and is not a sports fan, and she does not understand the superstitious side of things. I, I'm like Gregory. I'm I'm very superstitious, so I have my seat. Um, and I got upset with her because it was I forget what game it was, but it was like a two o'clock tip off, and my son happened to have fallen asleep on the couch, and I'm sitting right in front of his face basically because that's that's my spot, and my wife was like you need to get him up like it's time for him to get up and there was like less than a minute left in the game and i'm like honey i am not doing anything to upset the mojo here 
it was a tight game. I forget what game it was, but I was like, I'm not upsetting the mojo. She was like, you need to stop like sitting in front of his face and wake him up. It's time for him to wake up. And I was like, no. And I got mad at her and she got all upset. Like, why are you mad at me? I was like, you just don't understand. You just won't understand. And you don't understand. Just let me have this. Okay. Walk away. Her being, a, her being a state grad and a non-sports fan was the best decision she ever made in her life because yep. that fan base is doomed to mediocrity or less forever. I always tell my friends who send their children to state, I'm like, I'm sorry, pick up a hobby, you know, fish. Yep. Anyway, that's pretty cool. I, uh, we're definitely going to have to explore the, the superstition thing more in the off season as we talk to former guys and all, because that's a pretty cool topic. Man, I do appreciate you coming in. Seriously, you're always in there. You're always keeping it up, and uh, it matters to us. Um, and you guys make it all tick, so we appreciate it. Yeah, thank you all for everything you all are doing. Thank you. I'm going to get my melatonin so I can get on the bed. <laughs> do we have anybody else in the room, Gregory? Nope. That's the last. Noah is Noah, right? You said Noah? Yeah. Noah, Noah, yep. Noah bring up the rear, closing us out. Thanks, Noah. Appreciate it. Appreciate it, man. Right, we'll guys. see you around. Yes, sir. All right, boys, let's wrap this one up. Inside Carolina on the beat live. We've been going for almost two hours. Um, Greg and Gregory, I hope we get together as the summer progresses. I mean, heck, it's what, May 19th now? It'll be ACC Media Day before we know it, right, Greg? Isn't that in July? 100 it days is. to football kickoff. I did today. see that 100 days to the first game um, on the far side of the sun. I think that game will be played unless they play it at like nine o'clock. Can I share a, a funny stat stats of the day before we sound, sound yes. off real quick? Always. Okay. Uh, will Brinson, local guy, uh, NC State guy, but he uh, is a writer for CBS. There's a lot of NFL stuff. He shared something today that I think is hysterical from the, the PGA uh, championship. And he, because he's local back in 2008 uh, at the Wyndham championship, which is played at Sedgefield in, in Greensboro, he went out and covered uh, that event. And John Daly was a big story back then. That was, that was back when he was just kind of getting out of some, some nonsense and uh, he was past his prime. But he had a uh, media blitz after his round uh, at Hooters in Greensboro. And so Will went to Hooters and said, yeah, it was everything you would expect it to be. And so just randomly, he's at the PGA Championship this week. And because all former champions get to play and they're invited to play, uh, Daly's playing. And so Will decided to follow John Daly and just track everything he did and that's all he did all day. This is what's funny. Here, here are your stats. So this is what John Daly, according to Will Brinson, uh, consumed during his 18 holes of golf uh, at Southern Hills. Which he beat Tiger and Spieth today. Right. He smoked 21 cigarettes. This is in 18 holes? Yes. 21 cigarettes. He drank 12 Diet Cokes. Ate six packs of peanut M&Ms and did not have any water. That was what he consumed during his 18 holes. That that's, is, that's insane. 21, that's 
like five cigarettes an hour. <laughs> that dude don't give a rip about anything. He is hilarious. I saw him, I guess it was at Pinehurst. We were following him when he kept chipping up and it kept rolling back on one of those par threes and he just got fed up. So he knocked the hell out of it when it was rolling back to him again. And he can play. He's oh, yeah. good. And yep. he don't care. It's Did you see him and his son, that father-son thing? His son's good too. Yeah. He yeah, was so. the ninth alternate when he won the PGA Championship back 30-some years ago. Yeah. Has he done anything other than that? He won the PGA, really won the British at St. That's Andrews. That's right. He did win the British. That's just funny to think of John Daly walking around St. Andrews doing what you just described. Rip it and rip it, baby. That's John Daly right there. So back when I used to teach uh, Golf Digest, it was right at the turn of the century, the millennium. Um, <laughs> You're not that old. I guess both. Well, the millennium, right? 2000. So this is like 99, whatever. Golf Digest had your top 100 tips from all these different people. And you know, every David Ledbetter, uh, everybody you could think of was giving tips. And number 100 was John Daly. And in quotes, it said, kill. <laughs> He's absolutely right. That's awesome. He was on a podcast at one point or listening to something. And he was talking about how he would play his round. And then he had like, he in the morning or something like during practice rounds and he would play. It, and then he was just chilling in the bar and he wanted to get tiger to hang out with him. And tiger was like, no, no, no. Like I got, I'm going to practice and whatnot. And John Daly, John Daly is talking about how he was just sitting there and was hanging out with other guys and finished. I think he was, like four or five pitchers were gone. And then Tiger came back in from the range and John Daly's like, ah, finally. <laughs> it's like Tiger's out there getting his, like doing his Tiger thing. And John Daly's just sitting in there ripping pitchers. Could not have two polar opposite individuals. Fantastic. Tiger and Daly. Right, life's too short to worry. John Daly, don't worry, Mertz. He has fun. All right, boys, it's been fun. On the Beat Live, sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt, johnnytshirt.com, two hours worth. Um, it'll be on YouTube stream if you want to catch it. If you miss some of it, um, check it out on Inside Carolina YouTube. We might throw it up on the audio side, too, as well. Shout out um, the viewers who joined us. Yeah, shout out to all the guests um, from start to finish. It was a blast. You guys are what make it go. Greg Barnes and Gregory Hall, and I'm Tommy Ashley, and, of course, Johnny T-Shirt. And uh, support the players. Go buy some NIL stuff from Johnny T-Shirt and take care of them. It's been fun. We'll be back. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I feel it in my I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I got to play. I'm going to play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor, Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.